are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. Hello, Jason Sam Kobiak. What's up, buddy? Not too much. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, Nick. No complaints here. So we're uh, we're we're we're. I don't know what it's like up there for you guys, but we've had we've had seventy degree weather the last like week and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling real bad for you, really. I mean, my heart cries. I mean, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to have to walk around out there and not be in 18 inches of snow and 19 degrees. I, I feel really bad. You know, it's not that bad here. It's pretty warm here, actually. Yeah, we don't have a lot of snow right now. We maybe it's all melting. We had like a couple inches for a while, but it's. I mean, it's it's been like it's just all melting now. It we even had our rabbit hunt last week and squirrel hunt. We hardly had any snow. Yeah, we got. We're probably, we got like six inches of ice, four inches of snow, three inches of ice, two inches of snow, another inch of ice, and then a little more snow. So it's that where you got to you break through it as you're walking everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's it, we got we got some snow here, that's for sure. And uh, I went out there and shot today, you know, trying to get ready for, for this pig hunt. It's like this time of year, I don't shoot a lot because it is cold and miserable out. So I usually just shoot in my garage a little bit with the heat on, uh, you know, at 12 yards. But uh, I went out yesterday, starting yesterday, I was like, God, I haven't touched that boat in two weeks i need to get on it and i went out and shot yesterday yesterday was pretty decent but when i was out there today i I shot like eight groups of three and i was getting pretty cold pretty quick and uh, i looked at the temperature when i came in it was 19 degrees it's like god i I hate this weather you know yeah so so jason i know and we're going to talk about this in a little bit i know i know you've got a, a a drive coming up very soon but uh you know a couple weeks ago i i left the expo i i got up uh, real early, uh, Sunday morning, I checked the, I was smart enough to check the weather the night before and it looked great for Michigan. But then I thought, you know, I got to drive through Indiana and Ohio and sure enough, they got snow that Saturday night. So I got up and left and I want to say when I, when I got in my truck, uh, there in Kalamazoo, it showed like, you know, right on the freezing mark, like 32 degrees. And then as I drove south and got into Indiana, it went down a little bit and got in, you know, like 30, 31, snow everywhere. There was no better feeling watching that temperature gauge on my truck as I kept going further south. By the time I got home, it was near 55 degrees. Uh, so I know you got that to look forward to in a, in a week or two. So you go, or next week, rather, you're going to be escaping the, 
the 19 degrees. Yeah, here and I love city. it. Every time we drive down there, same as you, we head south, and it's like, you know, Tina's like, I got to go pee. It's like, you know what? I don't care. We're not stopping until we hit 40 degrees. <laughs> 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 so you, uh, so I was sitting, I think we may have mentioned this, uh, or I may have mentioned it while I was recording, driving home from the expo. I can't remember, but, uh, so I'm sitting at my desk a couple of weeks ago and I never, I almost never get texts from, from Jason. Jason, you're kind of like me. You're not a big texter. Uh, but my, and because I, I work, I work from home. I'm at my desk almost all day, every day. I, I have my phone set. So then instead of a, a, a tone or a vibration, it, the, the, um, the flash lights, up, it flashes at me. And my wife keeps saying it's going to give someone a seizure at some point. Cause it just, when it starts flashing, it's, it's rather intense, but I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working and my, my, the strobe goes off on my phone and I pull it up and lo and behold, there is my buddy Jason with an absolute gorgeous hog. And I was almost, in fact, I don't think I got around to asking you later, but I was almost positive it was in Georgia based on what I could see. Uh, but uh, anyway, man, it was, it was an absolute gorgeous pig. And I'd love to hear, um, you know, more about whatever you want to share about, you know, the area you were hunting and, and kind of give us a rundown of the hunt. Yeah, I can do that for sure. But I also want to say thank you for that podcast. That was, uh, you know, that podcast, number one, showed me the, you know, when, when I heard that podcast, I was like, man, the audio quality of that thing for you doing it in a car was incredible. That's the reason I ended up upgrading my gear uh, and got that same mic you did was because that sound that you had in there was just straight up phenomenal. And I'm like, man, I do all my episodes in a car by myself and um, I need something better because if, you know, that was just incredible, the audio quality. So that made me go out and buy the new recording by the new mic and all that kind of stuff um so that was definitely a bonus but uh, i also appreciate uh you know the shout out in there and the stuff like that too it was a it was a great episode i really enjoyed it i enjoyed doing it it was a it was a bit different and i'll be honest it it turned out well enough that uh i know i'm going to be spending some time on the road over the next six months or so and you know got a, a, a long drive coming up in june uh looks like i'll probably be driving up to detroit and then from detroit up into um uh canada so um, you'll probably hear some more of those in the in the near future well remember when you leave detroit and you're heading up into canada you're gonna be driving right by my house make sure you let me know stop in and uh we'll feed you and give you some coffee and that kind of stuff and break your trip up you know what i will pass that along to mr tom and we will try to we will definitely try to fit that into our into our schedule yeah. you know tom tom's going to have this thing mapped out down to the minute so I'll have <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll have pee breaks, he'll have calorie counters, he'll have everything you need, and he'll be running, yes. a, you know, his Acorn program app on the dashboard, making sure every penny for every mile is being accounted for. <laughs> and I absolutely love him for. I was going to say, I was going to say, and I remember he never even turned his AC on for me. <laughs> well, he did, but he didn't tell me to open my. Yeah, well, now up. you know where you stand. <laughs> right. Did, did, so, so he didn't wait and just turn the AC on when you were no, going downhill. He <laughs> he, uh, Tom's going to hear that. I'm going to hear. I'll, I'll hear something I, about this from Tom. I, I, that's I, okay. I need another I, road I, trip with Tom, if anything. But now he's not going to act any. He's going to act different because he knows that I'm watching him. <laughs> or maybe he won't. <laughs> no, he won't. No, he'll, he'll he'll just he'll just preface it by giving you fair warning up front. 
I, I love his cooler setup too. I just saw with him for his packing arrangements and all that kind of stuff. The guy's got it down to a system. He's like a mad scientist with all that kind of stuff. He he truly does, and you know, and we're we're gonna get into that too because he's that 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 picture that you saw is in preparation for the hunt that you know uh, he and myself and Rick Butler and Doug Gilmore and uh, God, there's somehow Derek Sheehan and Cat uh, Hunter, and I mean, there's all, there's a bunch of people from from Michigan headed down to uh, Georgia at the end of the month. So, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. When we get a little bit further into this. It sounds like a plan. Yeah, because that's your crew you normally go with, right? You guys used to it, go over to uh, Andrews, right? It, it is. Uh, it's the, the Camp Hambush hunt that you know, those guys have done for many years. I've been a part of it. I think this will be my fifth year, I think. Um, but this will be the first one we're, we're doing in Georgia and predominantly on, on public land. I think we, we're going to spend one day or two on private. But, uh, again, we'll, I do want to get into a little bit more of that because I think that will fit into our discussion um, after we hear your, after we hear your uh, not-so-tall tale, man. It was a pretty good time down there. You know, I made, uh, last year was the first time I decided to, to do a trip and actually you were with me on it. But when I decided, Hey, you know what, these, these, uh, there's hogs running around in Georgia on public land and I want, you know, and I want to get out of the cold weather and I want a piece of this. So I decided that I was going to go, um, you know, go down there and give it a try last year. And what was that? I think it was February. I think it was. And, uh, so I thought, all right, let's give this a shot, see what we can do. So I went down there in February, uh, met up with you. You hunted with me for that, you know, for three quarters of that first day. Um, and I had a great trip. I saw a hog on that second night I was there. I had a hog come into within four yards of me um, and, uh, and and coming straight at me, though, and busting me trying to draw. But from that moment, I was hooked. You know, I, I've killed probably a dozen pigs on preserves. You know, I used to do that a lot, like 20 and 25 years ago. Uh, go down to Tennessee to, like, you know, these uh, these lodges that are down there, you know, where it's like 1,200 acres in the mountains. and But they're pen pigs. You know, it's pretty. Right. Right. It's, it's not, I don't want to say easy, uh, cause it's difficult, tough terrain and it, it's, it's a good hunt, but, uh, um, but it's not public land free range, you know? And, uh, so I went down there and I had that trip with you and I had a blast and then I came home and I came home to snow and cold weather. And I was like, this, this, this is a pain. Uh, so I called my buddy, John, I said, let's go back down there. So we had to wait for the turkey season to kick in to be legal. Um, and so when the turkey season kicked in, we went back down there in April, um, and we spent three days down there on a different WMA and we saw a ton of hog, hog sign, but we never got into any hogs, but had a blast. And, uh, and so I had a lot of fun with it. Well, then this year, uh, we went down there over Christmas, uh, for family vacation. We took our camper down there and me and, uh, Bella and Tina, and we had a lot of fun and we went and spent one day on a local WMA down there and, and kind of drove it and we're looking around for hog sign and I saw a pretty good hog sign. And so I was like, all right, we're going to come back here. So that's what we did. We drove, we dropped the camper in Tennessee. Uh, we left Savannah area. We went up to, uh, a couple other places in Georgia and we made our way up to, uh, Pigeon Forge and we stayed there for two days and then we dropped the camper in Knoxville and drove home without it. And then, uh, me and Tina came back down, uh, to whatever it was, uh, you know, uh, was like two weeks ago. When did I go? I was down there like on the between like the 15th and the 20th. Well, I got back two days before the Kalamazoo show is when we drove home that late that night. So whatever that was is when we got back. But um, we went down there. We grabbed the camper from Knoxville, 
took it down to Georgia. Um, and then we hunted down there for three days, had a great time. And then we actually, we liked it so much there. I actually left my camper there is at that same, uh, RV park that we're going to go back down to. We just left it sitting right there, but we got down there and we went into one of your WMAs that, um, you know, I did some research on. It seems like a lot of the ones down there in, this, in South Georgia, there's, you got a lot of hogs running around down there. I don't think it's hard to find a WMA with hogs on it, you know? Um, and, uh, well, we picked one and, you know, the one that we went and drove around and checked out and we went there and started, you know, looking for hog sign. That's, that was always been my philosophy on anything you're hunting, you know, you got to have the sign. So, and I know with hogs, they're nomadic, you know, they move a lot. I've done a lot of research, a lot of reading. Plus, like I said, I, I have hunted them on the preserve. So I know what the sign looks like that they're leaving. And, um, I went down there and, uh, you know, we spent, uh, the first day we did a lot of hiking and covered a lot of miles looking for hog sign. Uh, some of those roads, it's not like you can see the, you can't see hog tracks on a, on a rock gravel road very well, you know, so you got to really get in, get off there and, and find it. And we found good places with hogs that first night, um, Tina was exhausted from walking. I think we did probably 10 miles that day hiking. And, uh, uh, so at the last hour, I told her, I said, all right, well, I'm going to go down and set up at this spot. You want to come down there with me? She said, actually, you know what? We've been driving for 17 hours. I want to break for a little bit. I'm going to just sit here in the car and relax. You go hunt the last hour. So I went down there and uh, set up down there at a spot that had a lot of hog sign about a mile from the truck. And I came back after dark. I didn't see anything, but I walked back and I, you know, she, Tina says she's at the truck and she said, did you see anything? I said, no, I didn't see nothing. She's like, yeah, they're moving about 10 to six. I said, yeah, that would be about perfect time. She's like, no, they're actually moving at 10 to six. And she shows me a picture. I'm like, what is that? Well, she had a, a pretty decent little hog walk 10 yards from the truck right next to her and walk right out, right down the road and everything right in front of the car. And uh, she couldn't do nothing about it. You know, her gun was already in the case and the bed of the truck or in the back of the truck and all that stuff so um so that was at least we saw a hog so that was good and then uh the next morning she's like you know what you go hunt in the in the morning come back and get me in the afternoon i want to get some stuff done on the camper and, and do some work here I said all right so i went out that next morning by myself and that morning um i jumped uh i jumped a hog that took off and that was literally within the first half mile of the truck. Um, and I jumped a hog and then, uh, about another 150 yards up from there, I had a hog come by me at about 20, 25, 27 yards, just what I would consider out of range. Um, and I even tried bleating at it and everything and I couldn't get it to stop. It just didn't care. I don't even know if it knew I was there. I was upwind. So, but it did not care and I couldn't stop it and I couldn't keep up with it. You know, it's all, you know, oak leaves and, you know, palmettos and, you know, that stuff where I was at in that particular particular spot so I, I that pig I had to just let walk um, and then I kept going and I uh, ended up about 2.7 miles from the truck and I could hear something rustling around in the leaves like it was rooting and I kept moving forward on it through it couldn't see real thick because it was a lot of river cane uh, to my right and you know just starting to taper into all the real thick palmetto real real thick palmetto and uh, so I kept moving forward and it took me a little while I was taking my time through those leaves so I wouldn't get busted and uh, ended up seeing that hog at about 20 yards 
and I stood there for a second waiting. There was no way I could get a shot, so I moved in. I had to move up another five yards, and Ed Hogg was just rooting and digging for leftover acorns and um, took about 10 minutes for, you know, you know how pigs are. They don't stand still for nothing. They're always 600 billion miles an hour twisting and turning. They don't stay stationary. Uh, so I drew like four times and had to let down just because I couldn't get the shot, and finally uh, uh, turned the right way and gave me the uh, good quarter and away angle, and I, I shot and put it right through the heart, you know, came in right low right behind uh um behind the leg and it uh ended up you know coming out the other side in front of the right in front of the shoulder on the other side arrow blew right through you know just shot shot and zoom zoom zipped right through there and i uh, watched that pig take off and start walking you know it ran for a second and it stopped out there about 35 yards uh, i could still see it moving through the palmettos took a couple more steps and then i seen a palmetto you know shake real hard and that's where that pig was laying at so it worked out good you're not lying about they they don't stop and that doesn't matter that doesn't matter if you're if you're hunting uh if you're if you're still hunting if you're hunting over over feed or bait or you know feeders that kind of thing they just don't stand still um it's probably the closest i ever come to actual snap shooting at anything because you don't have much choice yeah yeah, we found that out later in the week too, or the late the next day as well with Tina. But when I killed that pig, it was like I said, two point seven miles to the truck, and I all I had was a little Camelback backpack. You know, I didn't actually think I was going to kill a pig. You <laughs> know, I mean, <laughs> statistically. Um, and uh, so I, I was so now here I am with this pig, which and I don't know the weight because I, I boned it out there, but it was pretty good sized pig, and I'm you know, 2.7 miles from my truck going, all right, well, this is going to be an adventure. So I uh, marked the pig on my GPS, hung it. I put a, my, my jacket, lightweight, just a shirt I was wearing. I put a shirt on top of it, keep critters away and uh, marked it. And then I went back to the truck, 2.7 miles. And then I had, now I had a dilemma. So I had already walked five miles that morning. And now I got to either go 2.7 miles back with my frame pack empty, load that pig up, come 2.7 miles back to the truck to get out of there. Or I'm like, you know what, there's a, maybe there's another road, another option. And, uh, well, I found another way, but the problem is when I got over there, um, it was, everything was flooded out. I would have had to, I had to cross about 800 yards of water and, uh, but I'm like, okay, but this still, now it's only 1.1 miles to that pig from where I'm, where I'm at right now, but I do got 800 yards of water crossing. And I'm like, you know what? It's better than doing 2.7. So I'm like, and then I thought to myself, well, maybe it won't be deeper than my, my knee high lacrosse boots, you know? And, uh, well, I don't know. It was about four steps in and I was soaked up to my crotch, you know? And I was just like, all right, well now I'm already into it. I'm already here. So I just waited right on through it and kept right on going. And, um, you know, and then I went and got that pig, um, cut that pig up. I was kind of shocked the, the, you know, when I look again, 25 years ago, when I was killing all these pigs a lot, I would always have them butchered right there, you know, by the, by the, wherever I was hunting at would do it for you. Right. Um, and, uh, but I was shocked at how little meat you actually get on a, on a pig compared to the size of a deer, you know? Um, I mean, there's a, there, there are a lot of gut and belly and, and fat on those things. And, uh, you know, their shoulders and their hindquarters are not, not as big. They don't have quite as much neck meat, you know, they're, um, they're more compact. Yeah, really. It's uh, but I was, I was kind of, bummed a little bit due to the size of that hog i mean that hog was five feet from nose to tail you know it was as long as my bow and i was it was a heavy pig i i don't know what it weighed but i mean just rolling around it's dense and heavy um and uh 
Uh, but when I got it in a frame pack, I was like, wow, this isn't bad at all. You know, this is about the same as I would get from a hundred and, you know, from a 130 pound doe, you know, it wasn't right. too bad to carry. It wasn't like carrying out a, a 220 pound buck, you know? Um, and, but I got it loaded up in that frame pack and then hiked back all the way through that water. And, um, that water was an adventure for me being a northern guy because, you know, the water was overflow from where the river is. So there's fish even in that stuff. And right. I'll tell you what, though, and, and there's gators here. Now, I obviously being 50-something degrees, I didn't in, in 28-degree nights when I was there, I wasn't expecting there to be any gators or worried about them. But I'll tell you what, when you're walking through that black, murky water when you can't see anything and you can't see an inch into it, and all of a sudden, 10 feet away from you, that water makes a big old ripple wave like it was a carp or something and leaving here man i'll tell you what the hair stood up on the back of my neck and i, I think my bones froze solid for like 10 seconds you know i just saw my whole life flash <laughs> from my eyes <laughs> well i will tell you at 50 degrees even if the even if the gator was there even uh, even my fat butt could outrun one of them because they're not going to be moving very fast so right i think you could have got away I, you know what jason i looking at that i pulled up at that photo again on my phone just looking at it i would say that's probably uh, just rough guess. I'd say probably around 160, 165 pounds. Yeah, I, I let's I, say 150 no to 165. It's hard to tell on pigs, but that's a it's a nice size pig. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I was really impressed. I mean, I didn't have any. It looked pretty big when I shot it, you know, going through there too as well. But when I walked up to it, I was like, wow, that's actually a good size pig. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm like, okay, well, if I shoot a 40 or a 50 or 60 pound pig, I'll just you know, I'll bone it out and throw the meat right in my camel back. I did have a right, game right. bag in there. I'm like, I'll throw it right over my shoulder. But when I saw the size of it, I'm like, oh, this is going to cost me five more miles, you know, <laughs> or actually seven and a half miles because I got to go back there and then come back again and back again, you know, so I knew it was going to be an adventure. Um, and then I got it. So I got that pig back to the truck after that water adventure, which keep in mind, I'm a Northern guy too. For me, every single cypress tree down there has got like 25 cotton mouths around the base of it even though i haven't seen one yet but i know they're there um you know so there's all these adventures that i'm not used to yet i ran my face into two spider webs and just because i was assuming there were tarantulas in each one of them i think i did like three you know three judo flips and back you know all kinds of karate moves to get myself out of there um it was kind of it, i had a ball with it it was a lot of fun um and then uh, but i got back uh, I went back. I, I did, had no reception there at all. So it took me about 45 minutes to drive before I got to where I had cell service. I called Tina, told her about it. And she said, you know what? That's awesome. Uh, let's just enjoy this place. We've never been here. Let's take the rest of the day and enjoy it. And we'll go hunt all day tomorrow. And so we did and enjoyed the town and stuff that was there. And I uh, got that pig in the cooler all iced up and we had a good day. And then we went back the next morning, got there before daylight. And we started working some areas. I, that day, I ended up... Now, Tina wasn't using a bow. She hasn't shot a bow at all this year. She hurt her shoulder pretty bad last year, and it still bothers her to shoot in her bow, you know. Um, and she may eventually again here, but right now, she's like, I don't... You know, it, she tried about a month before we left, and she shot about five arrows, and she was sore for another day after that. So we didn't... Uh, she didn't want to push it, so we bought her a Ruger American uh, rim rifle in twenty two mag, and I put a Vortex Diamondback uh, 3 to 9 scope on it. We had her dialed in, so she was, you know, ready to take, because uh, you got to 
use the calibers that match the seasons. And with it being small game season, that's what we were going to use. Um, and uh, she was going to take, you know, brain shots and, and, you know, put them down, drop them right on the spot. And she was dialed in. I mean, she's, you know, she was punching dimes with this thing at 50 yards. And that's we I had it sighted in at 30 yards so that these shots, you know, she'd be perfect for anything from zero out to about 70 yards with this. And uh, she was good. And we got into, uh, we got hurt into... A uh, group of four and then a group of two. So we got her into six pigs on that second, you know, the third day I was there, second day she hunted. We got her into six different pigs, but never inside of 30 yards, but could never give her a shot because of them, again, not standing still, not giving her a chance, getting glimpses of them through the palmettos, but they'd stop behind a palmetto. You know, and we'd try and come in closer. We just, with two of us trying to move quietly through the woods, it was near impossible. And we just, uh, we couldn't move fast enough to keep up with their traveling. And we, uh, like I said, we didn't end up getting, you know, she never got a shot. Um, and she's super ethical you know there were a couple times she had a bead and i'm thinking to myself i would have shot it right there but she's like no nah, I, I can't lock on i can't hold i can't lock you know um so she uh you know i'm, I'm real proud of her for that she didn't want to take any chances um and uh so she didn't she didn't end up getting any shots but she did get into six pigs in that one day which was pretty awesome so that was a lot of fun. And uh, then we came back that night and uh, we just relaxed at the camper, woke up early the next morning. We had to literally drive the camper uh, 11 feet from where we were over to where we got to store it. <laughs> so we just had to unhook it and move it and dropped it there. And then we uh, drove home and, you know, now we're, you know, came home. We got home and then uh, 14 hours after we got home, I went down to the expo to where, you know, Kalamazoo Expo and then came back and I've been working and then we're going back down there here in a few days to try it one more time. Now, are you heading back to the same the same place you were hunting when you shot your your pig? Uh, we are going to at least hit there for a day, but the goal, like I said, I do believe there's a lot of WMAs down there that got a lot of hogs. So we may spend one day where we were, and we might bounce around to a couple other ones, you know, or maybe hit two days on another one, or, or who knows. But uh, you know. You know as well as I do. You you guys are both public land hunters as well too. The the key is to have multiple opportunities, and I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket ever. So I want to learn, you know, I want to learn a lot of those and figure stuff out. And I, I guess it's kind of redundant with hogs because they move every single minute. You know, they're they're very nomadic. So it's not like I can scout for them like deer and go back the next day and they're going to be there again. They're like food vacuums, and they're always moving and following that food source till they wreck it or till they're kicked off of it, and then. They go on to the next one so it's a little different than deer hunting um and i did use some of the terrain features i used a lot of that kind of stuff to help put us into them but um i do want to definitely check out some of the other uh wildlife management areas down there and see what's there i've been on uh one two three four of them now that are down there and saw a pig sign on all four and on two of them i've actually had uh close encounters with hogs so i i mean like i said i'm pretty happy so, so one, one question, I'm going to give Nick the opportunity to ask you a question if he's got anything, but, uh, so that, that 2.7 miles, um, would you have been willing to shoot a hog 2.7 miles and, and get it back if you'd been on that WMA that you and I were hunting that day? Uh, yes, but only once. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been rough. Yeah. I would have now. Now, rough. are you counting two point seven miles as a crow flies, or are you counting two point seven miles of up and down the hills? Because if that's the case, that no. two point seven miles would only been like six hundred yards as a crow flies. Well, and that's that's so that's what I was going to say. If it was two point seven miles as the crow flies, 
it would probably be closer to five by the time you could get it out of that WMA that we were on. For um, sure. And I'll bet it would have took, I'll, I'll bet, I mean, well, that place where we were at, well, where I, I uh, um, that was the same area where I got that four yard, you know, hog to come into four yards. I mean, right. face not, but um, that spot where that was, I mean, that spot as a crow flies was probably only, I'm going to say it was only maybe 700 yards from the truck, but it was a solid 40 minutes. You know, it was down, it was, it was we were on the top, so it was drop all the way to the bottom, come all the way up on the other side, drop halfway down the bottom of that too is where I was at. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty brutal hills there. I'm not going to lie. Well, and you know that, uh, so I got into that group of hogs all the way down on that creek and, uh, oh, that would have been brutal. I was, I mean, it, it, it was, if I'd shot that, if I had been able to shoot one of those pigs, it would have been straight uphill. Yep. Is it, I mean, and and I'm talking about steep inclines, it, it, not a slope. <laughs> no, that um, was that was brutal because I remember because we split up and you went one way around there and I went the other and we were going to meet up at the top there and I remember I got there a little before you and I'm like he's not here yet and then all of a sudden I could hear you coming and it, that was so steep and vicious back there it was funny listening I'm like either that's Steve heading <laughs> to me or they're bulldozing in this area. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way you could go, the only way you could you could go up was I mean you had to basically be hands and knees pull hands and knees or or reaching from one tree to the next to 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 you know help pull yourself up the hill so that was yeah, the trip it, that made me buy uh the bino cover because remember when i got there i had my 10 by 42 swarovskis and i just had them on a on a bino harness you know not covered and uh when we were there remember it rained all day we were there and then yep. it rained uh the, the second day it didn't rain too much but that first day i mean i was head to toe mud because it's slipping and falling everywhere and then on that third day it was torrential downpours and even had snow in the morning and i fell so many times and my got or my binoculars were so clogged with mud and crap in them that was as soon as i got home that's when i bought those uh, i started bought, testing and buying those bino harnesses because i'm like this is i'll never do that again i don't want my glasses beat up like that you know yeah it's it absolutely just absolutely brutal nick i haven't given you a chance to to listen jump with in the two here of anywhere. you guys going into this i didn't think i was going to get a chance to talk much anyway <laughs> <laughs> now wait a minute what do you uh, mean by nothing. that statement um i'm actually more i'm actually more scared of uh going down south as a cypress knees to be honest with you jason because i just like you saying falling all the time like i every time i saw one of those i was like i can just see that just penetrating anywhere on my body the moment i fall and killing me because they look so terrifying and like they're so painful and and they stick out so far from the trees, too. You might see three or four of them at the base of a tree, but then there's another 10 of them half that size that are out there another five yards further, you know. Um, but usually they're not too super sharp. They're sharp. The water rounds them off pretty good. But uh, you're right. They're definitely, you know, they. there's a lot of well, stuff there that trips you. Um, and then we, the that, holes, that's too, what are I mean. pretty like, brutal, I wouldn't man, want to fall on a antler either. And that's what those look like. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the first time I went there, that was yep. actually first time going down south. That was one of the first things other than all the mud and the clay was was that and it was a it was really hard it was a lot harder for me to walk there just learning how to walk plus you know steve was telling me about the snakes and and how if you like you know they, they mainly bite people when when they're they're walking in because they don't get out of your way fast enough and then the spiders was the other thing those orb weavers and those big banana spiders i'd never seen anything like that before in my life so the first time i ran into one of those webs i didn't get freaked out 
but I just could not believe the size and amount of them, especially in the morning. The one time I, I will say though, the one time I was hunting with you and uh, at the club there that one time, Steve in North Georgia, I think it was we um, when we ran into that uh, across there, it, it amazed me because there was like the trail out there was like a normal two track size trail. It was huge. And there was a web all the way across the thing with one of those big banana spiders in it. And it was massive. And I was like, and you're like, yeah, they do that. They'll do that. They'll build one in the morning and then, you know, it'll come down and they'll build it again. And I, I just could not believe it. Like, yeah, they're, I, I don't know how you guys tolerate them. I mean, there's uh, you know, I, I've seen them twice now with those and, and run into the webs. And I'll tell you what, man, if you, I can do a better nine-year-old girl screaming at the top of her lungs than a nine-year-old girl can. I promise you. Well, well and I was going to say the only way those spiders are going to hurt you is if you break your neck trying to get away from them. Uh, they don't bite uh, you, do they? Banana spiders, nah, those orbs, are nah. not going to bother you? Well, they, they're scary. They're vicious. I wish I had a little of that kind of intimidation in high school because I'm a short guy, so everybody thought they could pick on me. If I had a little bit of orb spider intimidation, I would have been in good shape. Well, and and I don't know that Nick Nick may have seen them. I, I doubt you've seen them, Jason, but we also have what's called spiny orb weavers, and they, they're they abundant in North Georgia. Um but they're 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 like the orb weavers. They make the big round uh, webs, but their their abdomen is covered with little spines, little spikes. And again, they won't they won't hurt you. But uh, you know, I wear glasses, and and many many mornings I've actually you know gotten into my stand, and the the sun start coming up, and I'm trying to figure out why I can't see anything. And it's there's so many of those webs on my glasses that it's just basically coated the lenses. I mean. It, they, they're when they're when they're out in abundance. There is a lot of them, and they you can tear the net, the webs down as you go in, and they will have them built back by the time you come back out in the afternoon. Yep, yep. I imagine they're they're pretty crazy. You know, I don't know what it was. There was something we were when I was down in Alabama a couple of years ago. I was hanging a stand in one of those trees, and it had that Spanish moss on there. You know, but I was I was right in the swamp um, in Alabama and I'm hanging that stand up and I feel something scratch the back of my neck and I put my hand on there to fling it off. And I felt something It felt, I mean, it was huge. And it, when it hit the ground, it made like a thump on the leaves. I was like, Oh God, I don't know what that was, but it's just, you know, I was like, man, oh man. I, like I said, when you're out of your element, you're out of your element, you know? Well, I'll tell you all a little, a little story. This will, this will be something to, to tuck away in your memory. Cause it's one of those things, you know, it's, I, I almost never lay my bow down on the ground, I, and I don't know why that is. It's it's definitely not because of this story I'm getting ready to tell you, but I always lean it up against a tree, whether it's the tree I'm getting ready to climb or an adjacent tree. The only time I can tell you that my bow ever lays down on the ground is when I lower it with my rope. It's just a weird thing that I do, but... Um, we, we have a, a, a shoot monthly, Nick knows this, at our local club, and... <clears throat> we normally set up on Saturday and then shoot Sunday. This year we've moved it all to Saturday. But regardless, I meet um, a good friend of mine at a little local um, restaurant, have breakfast early in the morning before we set up the course, and then we go set the course. And this past Saturday, another gentleman that's been coming out and helping some asked and decided to join us for breakfast. And we were sitting there talking, and he started relaying this this story to Gene and myself, <clears throat> last year, opening day of bow season, 
He goes into his his the location he was planning to hunt. I think he said it was like two miles, two and a half miles in. And he listens to the show, so I'm not going to call his name, but he'll know I'm I'm telling his story here. Um, he he got to the 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 tree he was planning to hunt, and he had a camera he'd placed out. He set his bow down, laid his bow down on the ground, walked over and checked the camera. He came back, and when he reached down to pick up his bow, he thought he got stung. And he looked down, and on his um, little finger, on his uh, his pinky finger, whatever you want to call it, his little finger, he said it looked like two spots where he had been stung, but he could see the venom oozing out of his finger. He had been bitten by a pygmy rattlesnake. Um. And without going into the whole story, it was, uh, he thinks he laid his bow on top of it. So it was irritated when he picked the bow up, it, it bit him. Um, he got back out, called the paramedics. They picked him up. He was in a remote location. They didn't know that the hospital they were supposed to take him to had antivenom. So they carried him to a hospital further away where they knew they had antivenom. And because it was the, the type of snake that bit him, the type of venom the, the pygmy rattle had, and the fact that it was a little bit longer um, than it should have been, uh, I forget how many vials of antivenom they ended up having to give him over the course of his stay, but I think the bill he told me came up to $141,000. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, here's the only thing I'll tell you. I try to always keep an eye out and and look and i'm i'm pretty good about spotting them um but i've had a few situations where i've had really close calls mostly with copperheads not so much rattlesnakes um but yeah just man you hunt down here be careful it's 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 like you know the odds are about like getting struck by lightning but you know it is one of the additional things that you just have to you have to keep he your says eyes that then, then tells me the story about the one that you know, crawled right underneath his hammock seat that he had a spear with a broadhead. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, struck by lightning. Okay. Yeah, that's sure. You know, <laughs> have I ever showed you a picture of that snake, Jason? No. I'll have to send that one to you. I'll have to find terrifying. it and send it to you. Um, Absolutely terrifying. Well, you, know what a hammock, you, you know what a hammock seat is? Yeah. So I was hunting out of a hammock seat. I'd scraped the. I'd scrape the leaf litter out, you know, so it'd be quiet if I had to move. Um, was on, again, about a mile, mile and a half from my truck. And I'm sitting there, and I'd been sitting there probably an hour hunting. And so here's another horror story that you may or may not know about places in Georgia. But we have we have scorpions, too. And they, they're, not, they're not bad. I mean, I would equate the sting of them to kind of in between a, a, a wasp and a, a honeybee. <laughs> roughly um but a lot of times when you kick up that leaf litter you'll you'll see them scurrying around and i was sitting here in my hammock seat and i kept hearing just something tickling the leaves and i kept looking down at my side and i i never saw anything moving and i just thought well it's probably a a beetle or a scorpion that i kicked up and, and dislodged from her home and they're they're moving the leaves around and so forth and about the third or fourth time, when I when I looked down to try to find this thing, I saw movement. And as soon as I saw movement, I knew exactly what I was looking at. Um, and I'll just say the tail of this copperhead was on my right side. And when I looked over on the left side, the head is a good eight inches past my where my vision can see past my side. And... Anyway, I've got pictures of it. I'll have to send send you the snake. I don't I don't typically bother snakes. Um, 
as long as they don't bother me. But that one took about 10 years off my life and he had to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I couldn't move. I mean, they're, you know, they're, 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 copperheads are pit vipers. So they, they, they sense heat. And I didn't, I didn't want to make them, I didn't want to move a muscle till that thing was, was out of, out of, out of reach of me. Um, so yeah, I mean, they typically don't bother me, but situations like that, well, yeah, that'll, I was going to say something about the scorpions too, because, uh, that was the other thing I noticed. Like I, when I was sitting there that first time I went down there, there was, you know, like, like you said, I was, I, I was clearing the leaves away from my, uh, from my hammock seat, you know, just so I had something for my feet that wasn't making noise. And I looked down and scorpions were just crawling around everywhere. And I was just watching them just pull apart daddy long legs for like three hours. And the first thing Jess asked me was like, when I got home was, you know, well, what, you know, how is it really different from Michigan? And I was like, I mean, it looks a lot like Michigan in some areas, but (laughs) there's a lot more going on everywhere than Michigan. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's strange but uh yeah I, huh. I, I those were a trip and you never you didn't tell me about scorpions either so when i was sitting there i was like i think i saw a scorpion i was like that's not a scorpion and i'm yeah the, they they actually so usually when whenever they come in and, and build a, a housing subdivision uh in a lot of cases for the first you know, i don't know year or two you know they're they have problems with them you know getting into the house because you just tore up their 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 home they don't know where to go um but i i, I don't know that i've ever seen one in a house but i've heard a lot of people that 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 have that problem you know it's funny go ahead you know i find that sorry that's kind of freaky actually you know i mean i i never once saw a scorpion but i wasn't looking for him down there either but you know when i killed that pig i was i was you know just in ultra light, quick drying pants. And I was on my knees the whole time I'm doing that. And I took like three breaks. We're sitting on my butt, just kicking back, relaxing, soaking up the sun, let resting on my, my bare elbows. You know, now, now it's like, I might have to start paying attention to some of that. Well, it's, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit cool right now. Um, but, and the other thing, Jason, if you, it, you have to, you have to really look for them a lot of times cause they're almost like a translucent, uh, and they can they can even change color a bit with whatever, you know. If they're in 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 brown leaves, they'll almost get a brown look to them. So uh, they're unique little critters. And like I said, it's not like they're gonna they're gonna hurt you unless you've got some kind of you know sensitivity to them. Right, and I can tolerate uh, to stings. You know, I mean, I've had everything: fire ants, you know, wasps. You, you know, I, that, none of that stuff bothers me. What I'm not interested in is I'm not interested in spending a hundred grand in anti venom and losing a week in a hospital somewhere. You know, that's the right. thing mainly with the snakes. You know, um, I mean, the gators don't even bother me too bad. I would imagine it'd be a pretty bad day to run into a gator big enough to really, really take you out of the game, and it wants to. You know, I'm not too worried about them, but the snakes. Like I said, I I don't spend enough time around them being from Michigan that I haven't learned how to how to find them how to know when you're you are or aren't you know even like if I got bit by a snake first thing I'm doing is taking pictures of it right after I kill it because I gotta know what it is <laughs> so I can tell them because I couldn't tell you the difference you know I or it is black you know or it's you know I I know what a copperhead looks like but uh you know I know what a water moccasin looks like or a, a cottonmouth but I couldn't tell you what a pygmy rattler looks like or even a western dive I've never seen these things you know so so I'm not a doctor uh, and I don't play one on TV but uh this gentleman the other day that was telling this story said, you know, that's they they don't care anymore. Um, it, so, you know, I would actually take the picture mainly just probably to help settle myself down, give me something to do. 
but he said, you know, they don't have different antivenom unless, you know, you get into a situation where it's a, a, um, uh, non-native species. Like all the, you know, pretty much all of the snakes here, the venom's pretty much the same with the exception of um, a coral snake. And coral snake bites are extremely r- rare because their their mouth is so small, it's almost impossible for them to actually bite you and inject venom to you. But um, anyway, that's what he was telling me. He said that, you know, they, they showed him a picture later, but they treat them all the same. Interesting. That's good to know. So if I don't get the picture or whatever, you know, it's, it's just, it's good to know. Now we're, we did wear snake boots. You know, I bought some when I went down there that second time because it was going to be in April. So knowing that I was going to be there in April and that being a, a very popular time for those snakes to be out, I bought those uh, lacrosse rubber. They're like a, they're like a lacrosse burly alpha boot but they got snake guard in them and you know what they're no different than wearing my other regular burlies you know so i mean i wasn't you know they were comfortable and um you know they're like 140 bucks so i was excited to have them and then i bought tina a pair of the same ones for her and her size and uh so that's what we you know i basically told her i said you know when that temperature gets to be above 60 degrees we're going to want these on you know i didn't i don't think i wore mine once when i was down there um because we were you know we were 28 degree nights and uh you know 46 for the first day 48 the second day and 52 the next day so we caught what you guys would call a cold spell it's kind of funny because we went into one of your buy low stores and they had like all these space heaters up front and trying to they're telling us stay warm you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> you know we're out here in t-shirts you know and uh but so i i wasn't too worried about it but like when we go back we're gonna have 70 degree weather 70 upper 70s and some some days we're there so it's like, all right, this is going to be time to wear those snake boots. Right, right. So, Jason, um, I, I, I want to hear a little bit how you went through the process of, of uh, identifying, you know, which WMAs you wanted to try out and so forth, just to give, you know, other people that might be listening that are outside of this, you know, the, the state, how they might plan something like that. And for you did touch on this briefly. Um, for those that don't know, in Georgia, we can hunt hogs. Or you, so on private land, you can hunt hogs any time of the year. It's year-round. There is no there is no season. On these wildlife management areas that you're talking about, um, you can you can hunt hogs so long as there is a uh, an open game season. So if it's small game, you can hunt them. If it's turkey season, you can hunt them. If it's deer season, you can hunt them. The only stipulation is you have to hunt with this with the appropriate weapon for whatever animal is in season. And as traditional bow hunters, we just hunt with the same gear that we would hunt everything else with. So it from that aspect it doesn't really apply. But you did mention that, you know, your wife was hunting with a, a twenty two Magnum rifle because that was appropriate for small game season. Um but outside of that, when you started thinking about wanting to go south, maybe or go into Georgia, whatever you looked at what was the process that you kind of went through to narrow down where you where you wanted to go and, and try your hand at, at pigs on public land? For sure. But also, I did hear, too, um, from somebody else that lives down there, I found this out that I— they have this year you have a fur bearing hunting season too for uh, coyotes and bobcats down there or bobcat and fox season and mm-hmm. for that season you can use um 
you can use any center fire rifle as well too. So you don't have to use small game if you're looking for a small game, uh, as long as the WMAs allow you to hunt fur bearers on there. Uh, so we have both going with us. We got the 22 mag for her, um, and we're also bringing. I'm bringing one of my 223. Actually, it's loaded with 5.56, but uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of deer rifles. You know, only thing I got is sure, she's sure. got a 45.70, and I wouldn't want to waste that much meat and do that kind of damage. You know, on a, especially on a smaller hog. So she's going to take her uh, or take. Uh, one of the the two two three ARs down there with ten round mag, and um, so that'll you know give her a little better shot opportunity than having to be that precise you know headshot on there. So, um, but there is that option. So if you got like a, a three fifty uh, legend for you know you got any a thirty thirty a three oh eight you know any of these things I guess are acceptable on certain WMAs during the small game season if they allow yeah. for bear hunting. The moral of the story is there is be sure to check. Uh, the specific WMAs because they're all different. It's yeah. not like it's not like a, a a zone on a map. It's it's WMA by WMA. You really have to do your homework. Yeah, and their seasons and their limits and their you know not so much for hogs, but their everything else varies tremendously from from one WMA to the next as far as when they let you on there. You know, so it's it's you got to do your research. But what I did um, when I decided I wanted to go down there is I basically. Um, started doing research online. I started checking out Georgia hog hunting. Uh, there's a forum down there, Georgia Hunting Forum or whatever they call it. It's a pretty big one. Um, but I spent a few hours doing research and looking for where people were finding hogs, where they were. There's a few good articles out there that you'll find uh, that tell you which uh, WMAs per area and which you know which areas of uh, Georgia have got good hogs on them. Um, you know, so there's a lot of information out there. So I started researching that and I started jotting down. And writing down WMAs that I was interested in, um, and that's how I told you I was originally like up in the, the spot where we went to, where me and you went. I was originally going to go to one WMA, and you said, "Well, let me check with uh, the DNR or one of the wildlife officers there." And you did, and he said, "No, go to this place instead and look at this." So, um, and that and that worked out good for us. That's where I got that one to come in at four yards, and, and you saw pigs there. So, um, so you know, anything that you can do to research it to find out is a good thing um and uh, and that's basically what i did is the same kind of thing so do the research online to get some ideas of them check with some of the wildlife offices down there find out where they're seeing because they're always out there doing burns doing road maintenance they're they're working on these wmas the dnr are all the time and and they're they're, they know where these pigs are, and they're more than happy to tell you because none of them want them there. Nobody wants the pigs there. They're so destructive. Um, so they'll be more than happy to tell you where you can find them at that current time. So that's a good way to to narrow that down. And then uh, then once I know a couple of the WMAs I want to go on, that's when I start hitting it like, uh, like, like how I would deer hunt. And I got my own special office for that. It's called my bathtub. <laughs> and I get in my bathtub and I have a board that goes right across it. I set my laptops up on there and I'm diving into Google earth and aerial photos and topo maps. And I'm, I'm looking for any of the funnels to pin. I'm looking for the same stuff that I look for, for deer hunting. Cause these pigs are nomadic, but I, if I can find where they're going to be traveling through where they have to pinch down, you know, I said that to Tina so many times when we were down there, I'm like, look, you know what? I know we got a lot of hog sign here, but we can't narrow this. I, I cannot, I cannot get us in close enough for the shot. This is too big of an area. We need to start focusing. And so I'd pull up my GPS and we go, we got to focus where we can actually pin them down. I need a hard wall. I need something that I can get them against where we can move in on them because it's just too loud. We can't cover ground fast enough. And 
And so you start looking for the terrain features just like you would deer hunting. It's going to channel them or direct them and get them there. And then, uh, then you're trying to find that terrain features in and around where the pig sign is, you know, and then there's a lot of intuition that goes into it. Um, you know, she made a comment too. She's like, I, I can't believe you pay that much attention to that. But there were so many times that I was like, we got to stop. We got to, we got to cut left hard. We got to go over here. We, we got to circle around it. Why? Well, cause I, the winds hit me in the wrong spot right now. Well, the winds you said was coming from there, but now it's hitting me here and where we're walking at, if there's any pigs up here in this little bowl, we're going to blow them right out of here. Cut hard left right now. We got to get out of this and keep that wind coming the right way will come in from the backside. Well, that's a long way around. Yeah, it is, but it's the only way we're going to pull this off because in here, this wind is swirling in here and we're not going to make it work, you know? Um, so you got to be paying attention to a lot of things. A pig cannot see very well and he doesn't really care. He hears very well, but he doesn't care too much because uh, there's so much noise usually going on. So the sight and the sound is not your big, your major issue, but I'll tell you what, man, a pig's nose is better than a whitetail, literally better than a whitetail. And uh, they get any scent of you in a wild pig, they're gone. They don't want anything to do with you so i agree a hundred percent with everything you've said and over the years um i, I i've got a, a a few thoughts i'll add to that i think their eyes are a lot better than people give them credit for for movement yes 100 percent for uh, movement but but because of their again in the areas that that i typically hunt them so you know this is a, a local thing, I guess, is what you'd say. But um, because of the way their their body is oriented and where their head is 99% of the time, they're not like a whitetail. They're not raising their head up and looking around. Their head, their nose is to the ground 99% of the time. And there's so much, there's so much ground clutter, it, something could be five foot from them, they'd never see it. Right. Um, and then the ears, kind of the same. I'm kind of like you. I think there's, they're used to so much noise, especially with other pigs around them. Now, a big, a big boar that's that's pretty much living in solitude is a little bit different. Uh, I'm I'm speaking about the average hog that uh, the average hunter is going to run into. There's so much noise around them all the time. I have seen sounders of hogs in South Carolina. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty hogs. And literally just take off running at them and run them down till I get to within, you know, 40 yards or so and then start stalking. And they never they never made a, a hint that they knew anything was coming. Yep. Um, so it's it, a, a lot of difference than a whitetail. But again, that nose, man. And they and they don't they don't question their nose. If they get scent of you, they're gone. Even when I used to hunt them on the ranches, that was always, you know, again, we're talking big ranches, you know, 1,200 acres of mountainous terrain, brutal areas, but it was the same thing. You know, you'd, you'd think you'd have a hog, you'd spot one bedded down in a cave, in, you know, in a in a rock wall cave in a, under a bluff there, and you'd start moving in on them. Man, if that wind hit you in the back because it hits that wall of rock and swirls, man, they'll jump out of there like a, like you just stepped on their tail. You know, they, they don't want anything to do with If they wind you, they're gone. They don't question it. They don't mess with it. Their attitude is they, they don't have like a, a necessary home range. They don't have specific use all the time bedding areas. They are nomadic and they are moving with food sources. And they have no problem leaving an area. They are very easy to pressure and they don't like pressure and they'll just bail right out of there and they're gone. And they're like, I'll come back in a week or two. They, they don't, you know, it's not like a whitetail where they're going to run 50 yards and then move around and come back after dark. They, they're just out of there. So you've hunted both um, mountainous terrain here in Georgia and flatland swampy. Uh, which, which do you prefer 
Or do you, have you made a decision yet? I actually prefer the uh, I prefer the swamps, and the reason for it is twofold. One is the fact that it's more of what I'm used to hunting. Um, well, no, let me rephrase that. It's not what I'm because I mean I spent a lot of time in hill country for deer too, but uh, um, I don't look at the the you know when you're hunting deer in hill country you're hunting them based on topography tremendously like that uh it's a little harder to do that with the pigs and in the hill country it's a little more wide open and for for if i was a rifle hunter i'd probably want north georgia for the mountains and i'd want that because i can i can set up on a ridge top somewhere where i'm overlooking a bunch of pig sign and i can shoot you know good distances and do some damage there but um for a bow hunter i want uh i want the terrain features the walls the blockages the things that i can use it will really narrow them and funnel down to me um or let me not that i'm even i don't i i'm it's not like i'm posting up in 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 a tree stand i'm moving but i want to be able to get to where the pigs are you know i'm trying to really hard to find those areas where okay they could be anywhere in this 600 yard square area but i want them to be if they're going to travel around in this area i want them to have to kind of come through here or they're going to this this is going to push or channel them this wall of water this bluff, this uh, this mud pit right here, they're not going to want to walk through that mud because it's so loose and deep, they're going to get stuck in it like crazy. Um, you know, that kind of, or this big open area, they're not going to hit this clear cut um, or this field right here because they don't want to be exposed out there. So anything that's going to channel them down and make it where I only got to walk you know, one general area and I can kill that whole area or check that whole area without having to do a bunch of zigzagging or, you know, they might be a hundred yards over and I don't know they're there. I, I want that hard terrain features to lock them and the swamps give me that where I don't get that too much. You know, in swamps, you got high spots, low spots, you got roads, you know, that are moving through an area that's pure swamp and the pigs will use those roads. They'll, you know, you hit a you hit a low spot where it's water on both sides and you'll see that the pigs come out of the woods and hit that road and you'll see tons of pig sign on that road as they use it as a bridge to cross over that over that water. You know, those kind of things. There's a lot of features that I'm looking for that the swamp gives me. Hmm. I would say if I'm just hunting pigs, which is very seldom, I, I would probably tend to agree with you. Um, I must say I, I probably pers- probably prefer pursuing hogs in the in the foothills and the mountains, but it's really more because when I'm when I'm hunting hogs like that, I'm typically scouting for I'm scouting for deer, I'm scouting for bear. I'm more I'm more familiar with the 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 the, the areas, um, and I I, I must admit I like. I like being able to use the terrain to my advantage more than I'm able to do in, in real flat swampy areas. I, I mean, I, I get that you've got the water and you'll have some berms and, and those kind of things. And you'll have those little bridges and the little islands, but man, I'm, I'm such a terrain focused hunter. I, I really, I really feel more comfortable hunting them, uh, in the mountains. That said, I've only taken one in the mountains and I've taken more than that in the swamp. So I guess that's, uh, that doesn't agree with my. I would agree results, with you there, Steve. I would much rather was, hunt that way too, being a terrain hunter and used to be, and used to just like hills and stuff like that in Michigan. It's just it was really weird. The the times I have hunted hogs have been flat or in the swamp or or something like that, and it just never seemed right to me. <laughs> like I thought I was at a total disadvantage every time, uh, especially when stalking. It's 
it's important to be in your your element that you're comfortable with. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the first time I hunted the hill country stuff for deer, I was way out of my league and I had no idea and I did everything wrong. And it took a while to get the hang of it and how to use that terrain where I've spent most of my life hunting bogs and marshes and, you know, water sources and high grounds and low grounds, but not hill country, you know, but I mean, where you have all these little microscopic funnels and pinch points and, you know, transition lines. And so I said, you know, that's home base for me. I mean, I spend three weeks a year in the hills, but I spend four months a year plus scout. I spend, you know, almost a, every minute of every year in, you know, lowland, watery, marshy, swampy, you know, cedar swamps and tamarack swamps and that kind of stuff. And so that's right at home for me, minus the snakes, the bugs, the gators and all the other crap that you got done. <laughs> <laughs> So last, last question, Jason, we've been, we've been rambling on here. We've actually already chewed up an hour, believe it or not. But so I want to hear from you. I could, I could give kind of my two cents here, but I'd rather hear from you since you're the, you're the guy coming from out of state uh, to hunt a, a, a state in an area that you're, you're not, you're not familiar with, but you're obviously doing mostly spot and stalk. You're doing a lot of walking, um, so, you know, taking aside the the necessities to 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 live on while you're here, just focused on when you when you leave your truck and you're headed into the woods, what's your equipment list look like? Well, I'm wearing very, very high tech Walmart clothing. Um, <laughs> so it, it's the highest level of Wrangler, uh, what they call them, uh, they call them the Outdoor Series. I think you get them for like 18 bucks or fourteen ninety nine on sale if you watch them, but they're quick drying pants. Um, no scent, no scent grabber, thermal lock, uh, hypo, what, none of that stuff? No, but if I ever invent something, I'm naming it exactly <laughs> what you just said. I can't even remember what it is now, but thermal scent locker, ther- whatever you just called it, that's the new name of whatever scent control product I ever come out with. I'm naming it that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, none of that stuff, but yeah, just simple, normal, everyday clothes that we wear every day. I do like the fast drying stuff down there because no matter how hard I try or what I do, I cannot go to Georgia and not come back soaking wet. It just, I don't know why. Even in the hills when we were there, it was rain. It got me soaked, but then there's the rivers at the bottom. You know, you cross one creek down there and it's pouring rain and you cross it and it wasn't too bad. And then when you go up there and you, but on your way back five hours later, you're coming through there. Now it's like a raging river through there and you got to wade through. It, you know, it's so I can't seem to go to Georgia and stay dry. So the fast drying stuff is important. Um, I again, I'm going pretty lightweight because I I don't want to I don't want to carry around frame packs and all that stuff the whole time, especially spot and stalk and moving through those palmettos. So I'm usually running just a lightweight. Uh, I run a Camelback. Um, I can't remember what it is. I did a review on it. Um, whatever, it's not the Mule. It's uh can't remember the name of it, but it's just a Camelback mountain biking backpack. And I got all my essentials. I always carry my GPS. I did just get OnX. I've never had that before, but I bought it last week. So I'm going to try that out down here. Downloaded some of the maps. Um, so I got that on my phone too, but I carry a GPS, carry compasses. I always carry, uh, you know, I got a, a knife in my pocket. I got a bigger knife in my pack. I do have a game bag in there and, uh, you know, my, my normal kill kit stuff that you, the normal things you would take on a deer hunt are basically with me on that trip. I don't slim down too much. And I do also throw in a survival kit when I'm down there, uh, because again, 
you know, I know I'm on a WMA, but some of those WMAs are huge. And even even if they're, they're the WAM itself is not that big, you usually don't have good cell service. You don't have a lot of options, and it's not hard to get turned around in a cypress swamp, you know. I mean, it's not hard at all. I mean, 10 steps into it, into River Cane, and you don't know where you are. And uh, so there's a there's always a possibility that you could be spending a night out there. And if so, I want, uh, you know, I want to be prepared for that. You know, one of those... Uh, thermal uh those uh mylar blankets i usually carry two of those um and uh you know some of the survival stuff i need water purification tablets you know i carry a crushed down water bottle um in there so if i gotta fill it you know that kind of stuff but uh other than that that's about it you know headlamp spare batteries flashlight spare batteries and uh you know that kind of thing nothing nothing too major so the the rule of thumb there is light bare necessities Anything that you don't absolutely have to have, leave in the truck, and if you need to go back and get it, go back and get it. Yep, exactly. Now, one thing I did do after I killed that pig and learned my lesson on that 2.7 miles, because um, that's brutal. You know, 2.7 miles through anywhere you got to walk, if you're not walking a road, is brutal, and I was not on a road, and it was brutal. Um, and uh, so... What I did, when me and Tina went back that next day when we were out there, everywhere we went to, I would grab my, I brought my Eberly stock F1 mainframe. I love that pack frame because I, I, there's no pack on it. I got a little accessory pouch on there with a Havilon and game bags and gloves and my simple tools I need. But I brought that everywhere we went down to. So if we were going to go hit a specific area and say we were going to do four miles in that area, I would walk from where the truck is down to there, get into a certain area in there, and I would just drop that frame pack and hide it behind a stump somewhere there, hang it in a tree and mark it on my GPS where it was. But that way was kind of in a central position where if we killed a pig, I wouldn't have to go but maybe a mile or so to get that frame pack, and then I could grab it on our way out. Because, you know, a lot of that, especially when you start hunting water areas, you know, a lot of it's one way in, one way out, you know, because you're, right. you're dealing with that stuff. So so that uh, that I did do. I brought that pack down a lot with me and just stashed it someplace so I'd have it if we needed it. Very, very cool. Um, and very similar to what, I usually have way too much stuff in my truck, but I try not to carry way too much stuff on my on my person. Um, Nick, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it back to you one last time. See if you got anything you want to throw out or any question you want to ask, and and then I think Jason, we're gonna give you the rest of your night back. Sounds like a plan, but don't forget after Nick, you did say you were gonna tell me you were gonna talk a little more about your hunt you got coming up here too. Uh, yeah, uh, so I'll let Nick go first. Well, I'm going to go quick because I don't really have anything else, Jason. I'm used to usually just oh having a one-way conversation of just watching you or, you know, listening to you, you know, giving us all your knowledge. So I, I really don't have anything to add. I'm just kind of listening here. Um, I do, uh, I do really like the, um, the idea of just like dumping a bigger pack somewhere, marking it on the GPS and then going from there though. I never thought about doing that before. Um, so if I ever get in the situation, I'm definitely going to do that. But otherwise, yeah, this has been really educational for me. I hope I get to hunt hogs in the future. Yep. I, and I hope you do too. And I hope it's with me. Um, and I, I have done that once or twice, but probably should do it. The, the, uh, you know, carrying a, a bigger pack and, and leaving it and just, uh, doing a, a a day pack from there, but I I don't do it that often. But uh, I don't really have the situations where I need to do that. But uh, no, Jason, you were talking about my hunt. Um, you know, it's uh, I think I already said most of it. We, you know, I I don't know what the exact count is now. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve people. 
Um, we'll be staying on a, um, on a state park. They've got some cabins on this state park and it's down in the, um, central to South central part of, of Georgia. And then we've got a couple of different WMAs. I think we're going to hunt some on, on horse Creek WMA, uh, some on, uh, Bullard Creek WMA and then, um, Jerry Russell who, um, Nick's met. I've, I've gotten to know Jerry real well. I think a few of the people are going to, uh, hunt a couple of stands, um, with Jerry, uh, one day, I can't remember if it was one or two days out of that week. And then, uh, Tom and I are actually going to head out and do some, we're going to basically spend a good part of, um, one or two nights doing some night stalks, uh, on hogs, uh, not around feeders, just, you know, feeding on water oaks, those kind of things, getting out with, um, uh, predator lights you know led lights and and stalking them at night which i'm really excited about i think it's gonna be a lot of fun um so i guess you know stay tuned we'll definitely be recording a few episodes around that hunt um maybe maybe even an episode you know while we're while we're actually out hunting and or driving back and forth or something who knows i don't know exactly what will come out of it but you'll be definitely hearing more about that hunt and that's the last week of the last full week of, the, of february yeah so. Yeah, well, you'll love that. I, uh, you know, I did some when I we were in Florida when we took the kids down there, whatever it was, a few years ago. You can hunt them at night down there, and after the kids would hunt during the, you know, in the morning and then in the evening, and then uh, I went out the last night we were there. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go check that place out. You know, we got access to it. I'm gonna hunt it tonight, and so I went out there about 11:30 at night. And I hunted till about four o'clock in the morning. I sat on a on a feeder for a little while, um, and then I got down and did the same kind of thing. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not really having much activity here, and I know there's other feeders on here, so I started uh, still hunting towards those feeders, and I never killed a pig, but I'll tell you what, it was pretty neat. They're, they're real vocal at night, man. You can hear them fighting and squealing and roaring at each other and running by and you can't really see them too well you know it's you just get a glimpse of their eyes you know in your light but um man i'll tell you what it was exciting it was definitely exciting stuff yeah i'm 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 really looking forward to it i've i've done a little bit of it on my own but really more um finishing up a deer hunt or or something like that and hanging out till after dark and and you know just still hunting my way back to my my vehicle um looking for hogs that's about the limit so this will be a this will be a little bit different and it's it's focused on on looking for hogs at night so i'm, I'm excited about it. i think it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it will definitely be a good time hey nick too now when you were talking i didn't hear much of what you said i actually ended up almost dropping like my internet went unstable and i didn't hear much of what you were saying on there i heard you say the part about how it's usually one-way conversation and uh (laughs) well that was actually a compliment so it probably didn't sound like a compliment when you lost me (laughs) but when i uh no i was just saying when i listen to your podcast and i listen to your watch your videos and stuff like that i'm used to you just talking so that's kind of what it's been here. You know, I'm just kind of listening to you drop information. So I'm I'm actually grateful, especially because I haven't, you know, hunted hogs a whole lot. I've only been on two hog hunting trips so far. So, and they were both pretty similar to each other, except one was basically we froze in a freak cold snap down south and hardly saw anything. And then I got to hunt at wild things that one time. So, um, oh, then Steve and I almost got ran over by a hog when we were deer hunting. Which was which was a trip. I don't think I've ever told that story, and I need to do that one of those days. But um, I'm just pumped that both of you guys get to do it soon. And uh, man, best of luck to both of you. I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Well, with that, Jason, man, I, I once again, as always, man, you're you're welcome here anytime. We'd love having you on the show, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to to spend an hour with us. 
Um, I can't wait till can't wait till we do it again. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. For everyone else out there, that'll wrap this one up. Look for another one next week. Take care, all.